Welcome to the Supreme Bohemes podcast, where we embody a supreme energy while maintaining a boheme lifestyle. My name is Tayesian. And my name is Mallory. Thank you so much for listening to our uh, previous episode. We got so much good feedback um, about parents and how to maintain and manage your relationships with your parents as an adult. Um, A lot of people said that the conversation was actually influential for them because it helped them, you know, apply certain concepts to their relationships with their parents. So that was really good to know that, you know, you guys can actually learn something and gain something from what we're talking about as we continue to learn how to maneuver with our uh, parents. Yeah, absolutely. We got to take that day by day. (laughs) (laughs) So we have the get to know you question. The question of this episode will be, what animal would be the most terrifying if it could speak? Tay, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So um, I am extremely afraid of frogs. They really gross (laughs) me out. So I'm afraid, but they also, like, gross me out. They're repugnant. I just, ugh. So so if a frog could talk, like uh-huh. that just would because re- I could I could imagine imagine the voice would be like this graspy, deep, <laughs> like crazy, fucking voice. So if they could talk, it would really like fuck me up. Like say for example, I come okay. I come home and it's frog season. You know, it's like certain seasons, yeah. it's wet, so they are they're out and they're a frog is at my door. Like just chilling at my um to the top of my door. Uh-huh. If that motherfucker said something to me, like, <laughs> oh my god, just imagine like if you walk into your door and then a frog just say like, "What you doing here?" Or I don't know, like, off. like in what language would they speak? Like that's crazy to me. Like would they speak English? Would they speak another language? Just... And you know they like to be like in groups. So if there's one. <sighs> On one area, there's one on your door, and then there's one on the window. Like, they come as a team. Oh, oh my God. That just freaked me out even more. Like, I can't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't. Well, I know for me, um, I'm, like, extremely, extremely scared of snakes. So, if a snake could talk, I would be very, very upset. Like, anytime <laughs> I see a snake, I... I really do lose it because it's the, I think it's the anatomy of the snake that bothers me. The only thing they have physically is like a head. They have no Mm. legs. They have no like arms or any of that. So I think that's what bothers me the most because I really try to like break down, okay, why are you scared of the snake? (laughs) And I think that's it. And the garden snakes down here in Florida are not like your regular garden snakes that you would see up north. They're like actually like big, long black snakes. Yeah. So <laughs> they're not those green, pretty snakes from like the books and stuff. Like, ooh, a garden right. snake. <laughs> no, they're like they come, you know, they don't come as a team. It's normally one at a time. Yeah. But I just get scared because if I see one, then I think like another one is not too far behind. Yeah. So, but I can't, I can't make her, I can't make out what voice I think the snake would have, honestly. <laughs> something um, like that. <laughs> yeah, something with a lisp. Yeah. Definitely something with a lisp. Because <laughs> um, of that tongue. That right. Tongue. Um, but that would, that would really scare me. Oh that would really, God. really scare me. Because they try, they try their best, well, most of the time, they try their best not to be seen. Yeah, that's so what I do I like about them. What, they don't try to, they don't mess with you unless you mess with them for the most part. Now, that part is true. But their presence, just when yeah. I see them, I just lose it. So, <laughs> that, that's mine. That's oh, my gosh, now. a snake and a frog. <sighs> oh, my gosh. So, um, we have WWBD or hashtag WWBD. What would a boheme do? The tweet for this week. Go ahead, Mallory, tell us what this. It is forgiveness does not require reconnection. How do you feel about that? Um, I, I mean, I live by that code. <laughs> I live by that code. Um, I see often, and I've I've done it before in the past. Where, and I'm not even talking about like, I'm talking about relationship wise, friendship wise, like. 
all the shits. Like, all, <laughs> all, the shits. all different forms of uh, communication yeah. where there's someone does something wrong, I cut them off, and then they apologize or they go out of their way, apologize, and the old me would communicate with them again, all over again, like it never happened. Mm. And I realized that sometimes that's healthy, but a lot of times it's not because you rid you rid of that person, you rid of certain people for a reason. And for me, certain things, well, I'm working on certain things being forgivable, first of all. Mm. But if mm. I'm going to forgive concept. you... Yeah, because I don't think everything's forgivable. But yeah. that's just me. Um, but I do feel like you know, if I'm going to forgive, I don't have to be, like, super cool with you again. Or we don't have... It doesn't mean pick up where we left off. Yeah. Like, and I like the fact that you said certain things, in your opinion, aren't forgivable. Because I feel the same way. Like, you know, I kind of relate this to... Because I, I agree. I feel the same way about the thing. I don't necessarily always reconnect with people that have done me wrong in a certain way because some things are just, if you can do that to me, then there's no trust. There's yeah, no more. What? Yeah. There's no more connection that needs to be fostered, especially through me because you already shown that you see me and view me in this way, by the way that you value me. Mm-hmm. So, but I like the fact that you said some things are unforgivable because it reminds me of um, a lot of these cases that we see of black people being killed by white people and it could be <laughs> yeah it could be a white police officer it could just be a white citizen a white uh-huh. person and uh, black families are very you know even they even like during the trial like uh-huh. um quick to forgive people be, based on their religion and try to establish a certain amount of um what is it redemption uh-huh. and i don't know if the forgiveness i guess the forgiveness does something for their soul but i feel like death and murder or the murder is unforgivable if you murder like i still haven't forgiven the man that uh even though he like that killed my grandma that um that um you know had was of course he had a mental illness but he shouldn't have been driving in a car so i i still don't forgive him for murdering i i don't forgive murderers That's justifiable. And certain, I don't forgive rapists. I don't forgive right. like certain things that you should never ever think of in your mind to do. I've never been cheated on, but I don't know if I can forgive a cheater. Like I, the, it's just certain things that you just don't fucking do. And if you do okay. it, like there's no coming back from that. So yeah, um, and I think people also have to understand. Uh, you know, you apologize even. Like, okay, let, let's touch even on, like, the cheating thing. Like, mm-hmm. have I forgiven... Have I forgave someone before? Yes. Mm-hmm. But it does... I don't know. Certain things that you apologize about, Um, I look at it as a shattered mirror. And it's just... Mm. It's just never the same. Like, it's just not. Or, or a friend that, like, crosses you in the craziest of ways. It's <sighs> like, you can't... Even if I forgive you, I don't know. I guess I have to, like, find my definition of, like, forgiveness. Like, what does that truly mean for That's me? important. That's important because a lot of people think that <laughs> that you have to forgive and it's a blanket thing. Like, it's just a broad, one-fits-all type of solution, but it's right. not. And especially with religions, you they think that just someone does something to you in order for you to heal, you have to forgive. And I don't agree with that. I don't I, agree with that. I don't. I feel like I have to accept. Once I accept what happened and I, it happened to me, I accept the reality of the situation, I can move forward and I can, you know, figure out how I want to, you know, mm-hmm. change or what I, what I need to do. But I don't need to forgive a person. I can accept that that person did that. Accepting is, for me is bigger than forgiveness because forgiveness means like I'm giving you some type of I'm giving you a a pass away from your guilt and I don't want I don't want to give you that I feel like you should feel guilty Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something you need to reconcile within yourself but the minute I forgive you now you can let go of that guilt and I'm not saying it's a tit for tat thing but I feel like I shouldn't because I'm the one wrong I shouldn't be giving you um uh 
a certain amount of solace so that you can be at peace. You have to now do the same thing I'm doing, accept what you mm-hmm. did and then move forward instead of me giving you that uh, certain level of peace. I just don't want to do it. Yeah, because you often hear where people say, um, yo, like when, when you accepted my apology, it was like a weight lifted from my shoulder. <laughs> this might sound evil, but I don't want that weight lifted I don't off want your that shoulder. Like, what if, shoulder. I, what if I want you to really sit in what you did and you have to kind of just like I got to pick up the tools and, you know, start back over from the drawing board, you're going to have to do the same exact thing. Absolutely. Sometimes people want you to forgive them just so that they can feel that they can relieved. breathe again. And, nah. and I saw a tweet just like that saying, you know, and not to say that women don't do this, but it was a tweet that said men want to be forgiven uh, just so that they don't have to uh, feel accountable for those feelings anymore and that guilt that it drove them to. And I'm like, you know, that's just an easy word road out because people shouldn't always have to forgive you in order for you to process your emotions and get through them. So I, I just, I just don't, I'm not a super firm believer in forgiveness. And this may sound crazy to a lot of y'all because forgiveness is so like, <laughs> promoted some people. To, yeah it's so, yeah. like a big deal and I don't feel like it's a big deal for me because I can move forward in a nice way in a happy way as long as I accept the reality of the situation that's it man. oh that 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 right there you saying that you accept the reality of the situation um I think it's just important to heal overall mm-hmm. before you can even because I caught myself saying I forgive but I really, like, I don't know. I just, I wasn't fully healed from the situation. Mm-hmm. So, mm, I don't know. Forgiveness uh-huh. doesn't equate healing. Right. And and they will tell you that to the day that they die. You got to forgive to heal yourself. To, to <laughs> I don't, that's just a, that's just a stupid concept. Not nah. stupid, but that's just a ridiculous concept for me that's because silly. there's so many other other ways that you heal you don't have to necessarily even come it's like a closure for someone else you don't have to come in contact with that person you can accept what they did but you don't have to forgive because forgive means i I, like i understand what you did i understand why you did it i mean that's that's acceptance that's yeah that's just acceptance and forgiveness is not necessary so yeah i don't need it Yeah, that that that's where we we definitely stand on that yeah. moral in life. I really want to hear, uh, like the listeners. I want to hear mm-hmm. wh- what your thoughts are, your thoughts, your initial thoughts, and your thoughts in response to what we said. Because I really want to see what, because this is a something that you don't hear. Forgiveness is not necessary to my healing. So I want to hear what you guys think about what we what we said and what you actually feel about forgiveness if you don't mind you know comment on any of our platforms and let us know what you think yeah and definitely you know if you're on twitter hashtag that wwbd yes so we can start getting some dialogue feel free to dm us please ladies gentlemen start doing that yeah Yeah. definitely that we have that hashtag for the reason hashtag wwbd because that's the way that you can interact with us engage with us with the topic that we're discussing and even if it's something that you want to tell us to uh you know bring up for us to talk about that's how we'll see it through the hashtag so yeah Let's hear your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. All right. Now on to the inner supreme segment. Tay, what's All right. Your... So um, I want to talk about the idea of free thinking versus irresponsible and or group thinking. So there's like three of those uh, types of thinking. And I want to first, you know, we can break those down in our terms because it's not going to be like a, a actual journal, a, a academic journal. But we're going to break these down in our terms and then, you know, decide what is necessary and what is productive in our society. So free uh-huh. thinking, I feel, is kind of based like what this podcast is based off of, you know, um, kind of being having a train of thought that is not always influenced by the masses and that is not always quote unquote, the status quo. Um, you are able to look at situations in a critical way and to form a judgment based on the factors instead of forming a judgment completely based on tradition or 
conventional methods or ways of thinking. Um, that's free thinking. It's just having the tools and the, the agency to be able to think based on the facts without being influenced by another entity. And irresponsible thought, I think, kind of correlates with group thinking because group thinking, if in a sense, is, is, is what we see a lot. Um, something goes viral on uh, Instagram or Twitter and then everybody starts commenting and talking about the same concept saying the same things and you know having those same type of thoughts there's nothing wrong with agreeing but where group thinking becomes wrong or unnecessary or unproductive is when it starts to drive the masses in a negative way and it starts to be more based in control You'll see a lot of groupthink in how we maneuver in, in today's society. Irresponsible thinking, I feel, is when you are using group thinking, you're using it to influence people in a negative way, in a more manipulative way, or you're using groupthink just to be lazy or be unproductive. It's just being okay. irresponsible with the way that you're thinking. And a great a great example of that is Mr. Kanye West himself. Um, he likes <laughs> to say that he's a free thinker, but what he does is he uses his platform to spew out ideas that are not rooted in facts, and they're just rooted in these ideologi- uh these fantasy ideologies that have no type of ba- backing. And not saying they need to be based in tradition, they need to be based in, but they need to be based in what's actually happened in fucking reality. Yeah. And if your thinking is not based in what is factual, then it becomes irresponsible. You know, he says certain things about how Republicans can do this for the community and do that for the community, but these are things are not factual. Republicans have not been doing these things, like Republicans ended slavery. Yes, because there were certain factors that were going on that actually does that makes what you said manipulative and it doesn't mm-hmm. tell the full story. So oftentimes irresponsible thinking does not tell the whole story. It tells one nugget uh, or one small idea about it, one small factor, and it leaves out the important, um, the important factors that really make the concept real. Okay. So, yeah, those are those are my definitions of uh, free thinking, group thinking, and irresponsible thinking. Now, what do you think about these ideas? How do you see it play out in in society in our world? Um. Well, as far as the free thinking, I feel like I've seen both sides mm-hmm. where free thinking can do harm and it can do good mm-hmm. um for an example uh you know celebrities are humans they're human beings and on twitter you know sometimes they tweet the very first thing on their mind or they may tweet a level of of frustration that they have and it goes viral and it's like what if they no longer have that mindset anymore? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or that was just a bad day. It's kind of twisted into, oh, they're not happy or, oh, they, you know, they feel like the world owes them or, you know what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. creates a different narrative. I see it in a positive way because on Twitter as well, I mean, I'm a Twitter person, so <laughs> I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going back to Twitter on it, but in a Twitter is where a lot of, the dialogue starts and then it goes on Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also see where free thinking can also uh, influence, not influence, but introduce another state or I mean, another idea that probably wasn't as, as um, like popular. popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As popular. And I think that's like a positive thing. Yes. It, it gives you another it gives you another perspective. And that is something that I do like about social media, um, where you can kind of see where your followers head at when it comes to certain events. Cause I know for Twitter, like 
certain things trend. So you see one person tweeting about something mm-hmm. and then you see another person tweeting the same thing. Not even like <clears throat> not a hashtag. It's just they may see it on their feed and they want to respond to it in their own tweet and then that person responds to it in another tweet and it starts a it starts a dialogue it starts a conversation mm-hmm. so i think that's like a positive a positive and you know negative outlook as far as free thinking yeah irresponsible thought is very much what you said um in reference to the art of manipulation mm-hmm. um a lot of people put a lot of stuff on on twitter that you would think is conduct and based on research based on the person based on the 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 figure whether it be a public figure political figure or a celebrity a rapper but it really wasn't it really didn't have much research behind it but since they have such a big platform people automatically tune in Mm -hmm. and a lot of people not a lot of mm, well a good amount of people um don't really think for themselves they go off of what is in so Mm -hmm. i see how that can be like very much a negative thing yeah it's like you have to you have to realize or or figure out decipher am i thinking based on what i feel and what i believe or am i being Am I thinking based on what is being, uh, what is the word, what is kind of being subconsciously told to me or even directly told to you? Um, Media has a way of shaping our opinions and all types of things. It's so many things that can shape your opinion, your regular personal life, your interactions with people, media, Mm -hmm. your family, history, trauma, all of these things can shape me. You have to decide, am I? Am I thinking based on, and this this kind of relates back to one of our first conversations when it came to the idea of success. Uh, as a person, if you're a free thinker, a lot of the way that you move in your life is your own path. You don't necessarily follow the same um, checkpoints and um, ways of life as everyone. Not saying you're trying, like on purpose, you're trying to be different. Like not mm-hmm. in that way, because that's just lame. But when you're trying to, <laughs> it's like you're just basically informed. Think for, for yourself is the simplest thing. You're informed by your own thoughts. You're informed by what you deem to be important. And you're not always driven by what other people think is necessary and okay. So I feel like the manipulative side of, of groupthink is it's very annoying because You'll see, and I I recently met Amanda Seals, and she kind of said this without saying it. You like right now with media, there's um there's really no journalistic um, values, so people just will put a headline on something, and and most people nowadays don't look at the actual article. They'll just read the headline, they'll take that for what it is, they'll believe it, they'll retweet it, and then you got a mass of people retweeting the same thing or reposting that same thing and now that's groupthink because you're you're creating the same idea but it can be based in fallacy like it could be completely mm-hmm. false and you're you're saying that this is correct and that's the issue that's why it's so hard these days because look our president or the 45 said mm-hmm. um talked about what is it alternative news or uh what is fake news fake news and then right. that whole idea now is like embedded in a lot of the way that we look at journalism because actual real news he deems as fake news because it's manipulate manipulative and it because mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not in his favor it's Narrative, fake right. news so it's like and you have a mass of people believing certain things because we always do a god complex type type of thing whoever mm-hmm. we put on that pedestal whether it be parents, whether it be celebrities, whether it be political figures, artists, uh, authors, whatever. We put people in this category of being an idol and whatever they feel, we kind of go with that as a group if you're not a free thinker. And that can be just very dangerous because if you don't do any, not even like heavy research, it's just know the facts. Like You don't have to research every single thing that is brought up, but it's just like know the facts before you spew out any venom before you discuss things because uh-huh. it's just better as a human being to know what you're talking about before you talk about it. <laughs> it's just that. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And I automatically thought of two things. I thought of one, um, 
the group think an example of group think that is very dangerous is when these celebrities are outing regular people that may probably was trolling them mm-hmm. um like for clout and then they'll make a post about them and then their fans or their hive will research the person and threaten them and all mm. that like that's a form that's a form of how group think it can be very, very, very dangerous. Like, someone can die. Literally. It is really honestly sad, to be honest, that people are even have the thought process that, okay, if X, Y, and Z tweeted something about a fan that, or or not, or someone who wasn't a fan that commented on their post that, dang, I need to go in and say something. Because people already have this relatability um, mindset when it comes to celebrities, they don't even know them for mm-hmm. real. Like it's almost like, oh, oh, you say that, but oh, I'm riding for her, and it's really weird, honestly, because mm-hmm. it's like the celebrity doesn't, you don't really know the celebrity, and the celebrity damn sure don't know you. But that's a prime example of that. Another example I thought of is the whole, the whole idea of cancel culture. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it. Some of it, I I understand. Some of it, some of these people, you know, should have, we should have been kind of put a nuzzle on them a long time ago. But a lot of the, a lot of this cancel culture stuff um, is really, is really dangerous. You know, people are, people damn near have to, you would think, you know, in the area of free speech, so many people have to censor what they say and how they say it because it can, they can lose so many endorsement and deals and things like that. And I understand if it's something that's dangerous and negative, but if it's opinion based, um, people are actually being like real life, like canceled mm-hmm. off of certain opinions. And that's, that's ridiculous. Oh my God. It's so important you brought up. Yeah. canceled over opinion. Like everyone does not think like you. It, it won't. It won't. And if they are, if their opinion, if they're not going out and harming anyone, then that is their opinion. You cannot, like, for, like, so many people, we don't agree. But you can't um, just cancel them. And also canceling, it shouldn't be like, this person is exiled. It should be more so like, we're not going to support this person's work until they work towards um, rehabilitating themselves or reforming themselves in a certain way it's not like this person is like on another island and we just don't need to fuck with them at all like there should be like many celebrities and people um who are in the mental health space now are talking about there should be a redemption culture as well and that is when a person is allowed the space and the time to redeem themselves to show that they have kind of evaluated what they did before what they said before and have a a better uh, stance on it, and a better um, even if it, it but not even just a better stance, but a better uh, way of acting on certain things. So I just think like the canceling, the the group thing. It's very annoying because when you start seeing things trending, you just know that motherfuckers not thinking on in the basic yeah. terms. Like people just love for other people to think for them, and mm. they just. Like, a lot of the ways, a lot of things, just look at our history and how, um, mm, and how, like, I was the about history to hit books, that history mark. A lot of it is group thing, and a lot of it is based on a specific perspective, and that is continuously told throughout generations, decades, centuries, and then that becomes actual history. But the actual facts are what actual, what happened. And could mm-hmm. be what free thinkers, regular people have experienced, but the group think has taken a hold and created a narrative that is not true. You look at so many history books that are written by the people who actually conquered, the people who mm-hmm. actually did the wrong to the other side, and they're written in a manipulative way. And this mm-hmm. is the worst form of group think when you rewrite history and you create a narrative that is true for a specific group. But it's definitely not, not definitely not true for the masses and for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I, it can be so dangerous because we think now social media is just fun. It's just an app, but it's a whole nother form of communication. And like I've been saying, people are going to start writing theses, essays, and having substantial work 
on the effects of social media and there's going to start being some more discourse about social media, social media, because this is a new thing that we've never had before. And you have to look at what we're being, what's being said on here and what's being done on here in a serious way, because it is another form of communication that is a part of history. Things that happen on social media are now a part of history. And we have to look more clearly in, into those things instead of thinking it's just frivolous and it's not a big deal because oftentimes it is. Yeah. Um, I'm happy that you touched on the history because um, another form, I mean, look at how groupthink has influenced history within itself. I mean, think of Hitler. Mm-hmm. You know, that was just an idea. And then it became something that was actually done and impacted history forever and impacted, you know, pretty much the dynamics of European culture. Mm -hmm. So you have to take these things into consideration, especially when um, just imagine, you know, if you went to school. I remember when I was in school, I mean, I was pretty smart. I was in like AP classes, honors courses and everything. But when I look back, um, you know, before college, because I went to HBCU, so you get put on to a little bit more about your history as a black person. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I was answering questions in the way that they wanted it answered, not necessarily in the way that it was happening. Yeah. And imagine if you know our children, uh, you know, or we were children, and we just based all we based our information off of what textbooks taught us. We would. We would be even more lost as a people. Absolutely. And I like the way you said uh, the fact that you brought up in school being taught because I remember, you know, I come from a very small town. Like our our uh, school had, a, mm-hmm. our high school had like maybe what, 400 students. So you talk about a serious group thing. Everyone in that town thought of like a lot of people. And it was like me and my best friend were outliers in a sense because we dressed different. We thought different. We we wanted to have different experiences. And oftentimes in the classroom, I would question the teacher so much. So I, yeah. I kind of understand a student that, because I'm a teacher now, that questions things. Because I would question, well, why is this happening? What was happening then when this happened? Um, I would always, I think I've always had a sense of Black pride in me. I don't know where it came from. It was just there. So I would always, when we were reading Shakespeare, I used to like literally... Uh, get kind of annoyed when we were reading certain things I would be thinking like why are we not reading you know certain other things and I thank God for those teachers who actually embedded uh, other types of thought which comes from Mm -hmm. other cultures into our curriculum Um, I remember learning about the Greensboro five I'm sorry oh I'm so sorry the Greensboro four um, in the sit-ins in a in a teacher's class and I never, mm-hmm. and I was what, my senior year in high school. I should have been learning about that. You should have been put. Yeah, on that, I right. remember learning certain things that I should have already known in my history classes. But it's because when you have certain groups teaching certain things, they come from that group's ideologies, and you have to question it. I always question what was being taught to me, and I think I did. I did the same thing in college, and I think that's why I now have a well-rounded view that's constantly evolving because I don't just go for what motherfuckers say is true because you don't know you have to think about context especially when it's based on history and I think about I talk about that when it comes to the bible as well and when it comes to religious books think about context some of those things that happened in those days don't apply to now and some things are they just don't apply and you have to use what is necessary and what applies to your time and you just look at how we how we treat people that are different, how we treat gay yeah. people, how we treat um, black people, people of other races, how we treat women, all of these different types of uh, discriminations and um, all that types of discriminations are based on group think. And they're based on in- ignorant, insecure ideas that mean that I have to have a certain level of control on a narrative and the control of a group in order for me to be positioned in a certain way. And that is so sad because you oftentimes don't, you don't question the, the, the racist person or the sexist person or the um, colorist person or the 
a homophobic person, you don't question their psyche as often as you question the psyche of the group of people who are have been disenfranchised. But we need to start questioning the psyche of racist people. Something is seriously wrong in their mind. Something is seriously wrong with homophobic people, with sexist people, with people who support patriarchy. There's seriously some issues that need to be discussed more instead of trying to pick apart. Why is this person gay? Well, what are the what are the uh, issues and sentiments of a woman? These are important, but mm. we need to be looking at these oppressors in a different light and realize this is a very, very negative form of groupthink that has plagued our world on a global scale. I also want to touch on a few things as far as groupthink mm-hmm. in that category as well. We also need to be careful about who we label racist, homophobic, and everything else mm-hmm. in between that as well. Um, I feel like these names are being thrown around too many times where people are probably not that informed or they or it's not it's not their they don't care to be informed about certain things. Um, so I also think that we need to kind of watch out on how we um, throw these names around. Um, even down to the co- the names of just being colorist mm-hmm. or sexist. Um, these names are very, these things are thrown around very loosely. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've yeah. seen it, especially on Twitter. It's like, if you disagree with something, oh, you're, oh, you're automatically sexist. Oh, you're automatically homophobic. Oh, you automatically, you know, you don't, you don't like, you don't like, um, that's it. That's you don't like light skinned women, dark skinned women, you know, yes, the plight of, um, disenfranchised people are important. But we need to also look at everything from a bigger scope as well. And when someone does not understand something, throw names at them. Exactly. Or if someone, yeah, if someone doesn't, you know, quite agree with something that you may say on these social media platforms, you're quick to cut them off because what they feel or say it doesn't fall in line of your narrative. So there's also the other side of that as well that we need to be very cognizant about. And I think that also comes from... Or, or that can be helped when you actually have real life conversations with people. People do the conversation to you members certain things and if you are going to impact any level of groupthink or irresponsible thought you have to actually have these real life conversations and take and take it a step further than um than social oh, media like yeah because no, some people that just don't mean. even like talk it's it's scary because we don't know how to have a conversation with the person about issue we're strongly passionate about or people are so afraid to disagree with each other or have conflict that they don't bring up issues that are important. How do you not know Mm -hmm. your friend's stance on abortion? How do you not know your friend's stance on certain race relations and all kinds of things? You you don't know your friend's stance. How can that be your friend? But you can Mm -hmm. talk to strangers about their thoughts and opinions on these topics and hold Mm -hmm. them to a certain standard that you haven't even held the people close to you (laughs) to. So what is that? Like it's, it's things have to happen in a real space. I know we love social media, but they have to happen in a live situation so that they can be impactful Um, because we can't just do everything on social media and don't translate it to real life. And I'm being real, like, if your name throwing off of someone not understanding or having an opinion that's different from yours, I know me, I, I'm like a big, okay, well then, fuck it. I don't want to know anything about it at all. Because if if that, if you're going to be, it's damn near, it low-key reminds me of like a, um, a new era of witch hunt for me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's like, Okay, you don't fall in line with this, that, and this. You a witch. <laughs> yeah. Like, nah, it don't work like that. You have to have certain conversation and dialogue. But if someone simply doesn't agree or understand, and you're like, oh, well, you're this. Well, it's like, you know what? Then 
I don't want to have a conversation at all because it didn't even have to start with me being labeled or me being named something that I'm really not. Yeah, like it's having the conversation. We need to be more respectful. We need to be respectful on both sides. Yeah. On on possibly I don't think I don't really believe in the all I don't really believe always in the all come together thing but I think at least both sides will have a better understanding of one another and then can go their separate way yeah because you can't if you're if you're seeking to label someone you're starting the conversation in the defense you're not even starting the conversation to seek understanding so how is it ever going to be productive if you are a disenfranchised group, there's a certain way that you have to approach conversations. Mm-hmm. And you can't be a witch hunter because you're never going to, you're never going to get a, the understanding that you need. If you, for example, I have extreme disdain for white people. I love people who happen to be white, but I have extreme disdain for white people. I can't approach every white person as if they're right. racist immediately. I can't look at one thing that they say and say, well, you're racist. I have to actually learn and get to know the person. And this is, this is something that is not an easy thing because sometimes you'll hear, you'll hear white people or people who are not black say certain things and you'll think, hmm, I, I sense a little bit of uh, racism. <laughs> but sometimes people are, and I'm not giving no benefit of the doubt. I don't give no benefits of the doubt. But sometimes mm-hmm. people can be ill-informed and can be thinking a certain way and not realizing what that is. So usually I like to ask questions as soon as I hear something. Okay, so what do you mean by that? Or um, what makes you say that? And I'll be like, I just want, and then if you, once I get into that conversation, I can, oh, then I can label you once I really pick apart what you said and, and you gave, if the person is um, smart enough to actually have a dialogue, because most racists I feel are stupid. Um, you you can't be smart and you can't be intelligent. You can't be a good person and you're racist. A lot of these smart people out here thinking that they're smart, but they're racist like that. That's dumb. Yeah. That's ignorance. So yeah, so I I you have to have a conversation and um be willing to not be willing to see that person for something that you thought they weren't gonna be because you can go into it immediately think oh this bitch racist or this motherfucker racist but or whatever that that oppressive term is. Um, but if you go straight to that, then you're not accomplishing anything because you didn't even and get to the fact that tune you out. Like yeah. I know me, I can be, I'm working on this part of myself, sis, but I can be really dismissive mm-hmm. because, um, like the old me used to just react. Now, I'm not going to give you the time of day. Like if it's like that, then, <laughs> you know, maybe we just need to end the conversation here. Mhm. And a lot of people have that that mindset and outlook when it comes to these conversations on oppressed groups. Um cuz you're automatically throwing a name at them when they could it could be a learning tool for you and them. Yeah. Exactly. I I get that. But also too cer- certain things are just automatically racist or automatically sexist mm-hmm. and tra- transphobic, homophobic. So you you'll Absolutely. know You'll know. And sometimes you don't owe a person a conversation. But if it's something that you feel like, oh, I, I want to know more about it, wanna, you know, then you can have a conversation. You'll know if a motherfucker really on that type of time. Yeah, you'll know. <laughs> you will know. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that all in all, the, the idea is to be as free thinking as possible so that you can really decipher what's real and so, you, so that you can be productive. Group thought is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just how you use it. It is a tool. So it's just mm-hmm. using it wisely. And irresponsible thought, I feel, should never be employed in any situation, ever. Because Absolutely. you are really not, you're not being productive. And not, you're only creating a negative outcome. So that's what that is. <laughs> yeah. So our next, um, well, before I move on, do you have any other last final thoughts on that? Um, no, I think we, we did a, we touched on a lot of Mm -hmm. it and I, I mean, pretty much everything you said, you know, it's just important to be yourself and formulate your own, sit back, process the information Mm -hmm. and 
kind of form a opinion of yourself or opinion for yourself and kind of move on from that yeah because too many times we agree on what what is popular um especially when you're you sit on social media often if you want to have dialogue you just kind of have to basically i'm saying this in a nice way i swear i'm not being condescending be your own person (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like, be your own person and figure it out from there. <laughs> Absolutely. So, our next segment is five to nine. This is the person. If you're new to the podcast, this is a person that has a regular day job um, that they do and work possibly from nine to five hours. And then when they go home or after they leave their regular, normal job, they go into an entrepreneurial job. Uh, business they work on their passion project and their baby so the person that we're highlighting this week is one of my brothers um his name is chadwick leonard chadwick um works in uh the political sphere in his regular everyday job so he is um he works on campaigns and things of that nature but for his five to nine grind he works um he has a nonprofit company called conquering the curve and conquering the curve is a nonprofit that focuses on sickle cell awareness especially you know this is very good for because a lot of people if you don't have the disease or if you don't have um it's not uh what is it hereditary in your family you don't really think about it but if you're impacted by it, you would really want people to know more about this disease because it's right. definitely a big part of the African-American community. We are um, impacted by it the most. So he is basically an av- advocacy uh, program that gives knowledge and, um, you know, fosters a space for people who have who have the illness. And it does he does a lot of projects and um, and he even does uh Uh, webinars and things like that to give more information and raise awareness so if you want to know more about conquering the curve whether it's to donate your time your finances or just to learn more about sickle cell you can visit conqueringthecurve.org that's c-o-n-q-u-e-r-i-n-g-t-h-e-c-u-r-v-e dot org all right and then you can go to his site and learn more about sickle cell be more aware and know how to move forward throughout um if that someone in your family has it or if you if something happens to you and you and you have it as well so conqueringthecurve.org and you can also go to the conquering the curve instagram so it's at conquering the curve and it's very, very uh, professional. I love when people's Instagrams are professional yes. um, and doesn't just look like a bunch of memes and um, weird stuff. <laughs> uh, so he has a professional um, website, Conquering the Curve, at Conquering the Curve. And you can learn way more. You can learn a lot there, see the events that's happening and all of that. Um, so, yeah, ConqueringTheCurve.org and at Conquering the Curve on Instagram. Love it. Love it. Okay, so now we're going to get into our Muse segment. So uh, the theme for this playlist is uh, Brazilian music. And I labeled it Brazilian music because there's so much um, there's so much influence and there's so much culture within Brazil that mm-hmm. is just amazing to me. Like, I'm a big fan of Brazilian movies. Um, my favorite movie is City of Gods. Have you seen that before? I've heard so much about it, but I still have yet to see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, it. it's a classic, though. I know that it is a classic. It's one. It's one of my favorites. Um, it just has like Brazil in its entirety, especially when we're referring to the Afro-Brazilian culture. This has a certain place in my heart. So I that um. The playlist is definitely dedicated to that. And I did do a range. So I did a range of a little bit of um, their their version of R&B as well as classic lounge music. And I tried to do it within the time, within a, kind of give you a timeline of music, of how music was in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Um I started from 1951 all the way to the 2000s. So you have a great range of the the music types. And I really, it, it 
actually putting together this playlist made me realize that I really need to learn Portuguese because I really watch a lot of the Brazilian movies and I, mm-hmm. I watch a lot of the music videos and sometimes I don't want to always refer to the <coughs> subtitles is I I'm almost pretty much well I'm a little bilingual <laughs> for the most part you know I know a lot of Spanish so a lot of their words they um they're very similar it's just mm-hmm. some of the spellings may be different um between Portuguese and Spanish but I I don't know like I just really wanted to try something new um this is it's soothing music it's music to listen to you know I try to do a lot of the the wind downs I am going to pick it up in the future episodes but I try to do a lot of the wind down music because with just the time period that we're in with it being holiday season, you got to rush to do this, run errands, work, um, you know, handle your business, visit time with family. You just need some music that's for yourself and that'll put you kind of in a self-care mode. So that's mm-hmm. why I have this. That's why I chose for Brazilian music to be the playlist of this episode. So I, I hope you guys really do enjoy it. I really do. And I'm excited to, because I do teach Brazilians. So I'm excited to that is true. Listen, yeah, to the music. I've been wanting to get more into their music, but I I love the fact that you know more about it, so I can get a nice deep dive into the historical um, aspect of the music as well. So that's going to be dope to listen to. Yeah, but that concludes our today, and we thank you so much. Remember to follow us at. Uh, the Supreme Bohemes on Instagram and at mm-hmm. Supreme Bohemes on Twitter. Yeah, and our personal Instagram, mine is at Taysian underscore Mallory. Mine is Lavish Lori on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, yeah, shoot. And my Twitter is at QSWIF for Queen Say What I Feel. Yeah, so you can follow us on those platforms if you want to get into our day to day talking. Especially for me, shit talking. (laughs) (laughs) You know me. So thank you so much for listening once again. And we'll see you with the next episode. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.